The Bible says the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord. The Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord. And for seven years he gave them into the hand of the Midianites. Amen. Now because the power of Midian was so oppressive. The Israelites prepared shelters for themselves in mountain clefts, caves, and strongholds. So, so their enemy was so powerful and so oppressive that these people decide they're not even going to live in houses anymore. They're going to live in places that they cannot be found. Amen? Whenever the Israelites planted their crops, the Midianites, Amalekites, and other eastern peoples invaded the country. They camped on the land and ruined the crops all the way to Gaza and did not spare a living thing for Israel. Now, I want you all to pay attention to this. Neither sheep, nor cattle, nor donkeys. They took them all. They came up with their livestock and their tents like swarms of locusts. It was impossible to count them or their camels. They invaded the land to ravish it. Midian so impoverished the Israelites that they cried out to the Lord for help. Have we seen this before? Whenever God's people cry out, how many of you know we got a God that answers? Come on, somebody. Thank God for the ability to still call on him. No matter how tough things get, hallelujah, your voice can change your world. Uh, you just got to channel it in the direction where the help comes from. And so we've seen this play out before because they were being oppressed in Egypt before and they cried out and God delivered them. But they didn't learn their lesson. They came out now and as a result... They begun to see all the other nations and worship all the other nations God. And that's one of the most dangerous things in Christianity that is still a problem today. That we as believers never look to our God for satisfaction, for fulfillment, for meaning, for success. We are always looking to the world. And whatever they deem as success and what they deem as popular. It is amazing to me how Christians are never just happy with who God says they are. We're often waiting for the world to validate what we already know is true. I'll give you an example. You ever see a celebrity say something sounding close to Christian? And you ever see how happy Christians get to see a celebrity say something? Y'all ain't going to say nothing to me. We will have a pastor say something for years, a brother, a Christian artist say something for years about the Lord, and we'll never be excited. We'll never post it. We'll never be. But let a celebrity say the same thing is on every Christian's page. Why is that? Well, it could be we're happy this person is coming to faith, but I suspect that there's a little bit of we're always waiting for the world to validate our what we know is true. I don't need a celebrity to validate who God is in my life. I don't need the culture to tell me who God is. 
because God is bigger than this culture. Cultures come and go. Trends come and go, but God remains forever. Hallelujah. And so one of the biggest problems we have is that we look into the world and we often want to become like the world because it's tough. We live in this culture. And, and to be honest, believers, we don't do ourselves a favor by, by, you know, if you look at the amount of time, you have 24 hours a day, two hours on a Sunday morning. And Christians, if you don't finish by two hours, some of y'all going to look away now. Hallelujah. Y'all give me two strong hours. And if you ain't finished by two hours, we start to say things like, that church is too long. They got to fix their time. Think about this, though. You giving two hours in meditation to God versus 24 hours every day for the rest of the week. I know, I know you guys leave here and you just meditate on the word of God for the rest of the week. I guess that's what it is. The truth of the matter, we leave here and we get bombarded with everything. We go and we watch football, football, all sorts of philosophies and ideologies right in the game. Coming out to you in the commercial, everything, everything is happening. And we scroll root YouTube and we scroll Facebook and we watch and this and this. And all this stuff is bombarding your mind more than two hours. What's your screen time like? And what app are you on a lot? And then two hours is all you get to focus on the Lord and fellowship with the body. Some of us don't even fellowship. We come to church like, all right, see, that's, that dude go to church. I'll be seeing him at church. And we, that's the level of the connection with the body of Christ. You can't grow like that. And oftentimes, if you are more, whatever you are more around is going to be much more of an influence on you. I promise you. Come on, somebody. Whatever you hang around a lot. And these people, they totally turn their back on God. And whenever you turn your back on God, you can't have the audacity to want God's services, but not the God who provides the service. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You can't want what God gives, but don't want God. You can't want God's hand, but not his heart. Amen. And so that's that's kind of like what they did, you know, but they cried out. And when the Israelites cried out to the Lord, verse seven, because of Midian, he sent them a prophet. Who said, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says, I brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. I rescued you from the hand of the Egyptians, and I delivered you from the hand of all your oppressors. I drove them out before you and gave you their land. I said to you, I am the Lord your God. Do not worship the gods of the Amorites. Amer Amorites. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Do not worship them. Hallelujah. Come on. In whose, uh, in whose land you live. But you have not listened to me. Hallelujah. The angel of the Lord came down and sat under the oak. At Ophrah. 
I don't know what revelation y'all get in there. Somebody got a strong mm. Ophrah. That belonged to Joash, the, the Abizrite. Abizrite. Stop it, Stacy. Leave me alone. Where his son Gideon was... Now watch this, y'all. Joash's son, Gideon, was threshing wheat in a wine press to keep him from the Midianites. So he's hiding to get a little... So Gideon is hiding. He got his little wheat. He's trying to get his little grain to, to make some Ezekiel bread. <laughs> Y'all don't know about that. This would be judge's bread. Never mind. All right. So he, he don't, he don't want to get caught because if they catch him, they're going to take all his grain, right? And while he's doing that, his circumstance is telling him that he's nothing and when the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior, old school, mighty man of valor, right? Hiding. Angel shows up and says, mighty warrior. What's being said to me doesn't align with what I'm currently going through. Y'all ain't saying nothing. But that's the God we serve. And, and, and I got to be careful because here, here, here's the deception. When you hear this, I can easily say God sees something in you that you don't see in yourself. And it would have you running and shouting. The truth is you probably are a punk. You're not going to do great things because you're strong. You're going to do great things because he's strong. You see the difference? Because Christianity can easily become self-centered that God serves you. No, no, no. If you're ever going to be good, it's never going to be because of you. It's going to be all because he, y'all ain't saying nothing to me. Here's my first point to you, y'all. Here's the first point I want to make to you. Many people always say it's, it's not what God can, or, or we say it this way. It's not, what, it's not what can one man do. It's what can God do with one man. So when God says you're a mighty warrior, you might, you might be looking on, on some like, Bro, I ain't been at the gym in years. Who you calling? I ain't, I don't even know how to fight. I don't. Why God can say something and it happen is because when he speaks, whatever he says has to obey. That's what we know. In the beginning, it was darkness. He spoke and said, let there be light. We don't know where it came from, but it had to show up. Why? Because he said it. And so if God says to Gideon, you're a mighty warrior, Gideon for the rest of this story still don't believe God. Gideon got us doing buck stuff to this day when we pray. 
Y'all ain't saying nothing to me. I'll just, I'll just read the rest of the story. You say, what are you talking about? Because later on in the story, this is what Gideon says. Gideon says, if you truly are with me, and I am a mighty warrior, I'm going to put this little fleece out. So I want you to wet it. If I wake up and it's wet, I know you're with me. I know you don't ever pray like that. You never said, God, if you love me, make the blinker on the third car go on and exit. <laughs> oh, snap. All right, all right, all right. And then you did another Gideon. Because after God wet it, then the Gideon said, all right, God, here what we going to do. You got to make sure. You got to make sure. <laughs> Hallelujah. And, and got you doing it. And, and so, you know, we come up with the Christian terminology, put out a fleece for God. Now, I'm not, you know, listen, if it worked, God bless you. That is not a normative on how God works. When God says something throughout the Bible, he tells you and you, it's up to you to believe it or not. He's gone. For, for some reason, God gave grace to Gideon and did that. I haven't seen him do that. He sure don't do it for me. I'd be on some bug stuff. I'd be like, Lord, here's what I need you to do. If you really want me to, give me a million dollars. No, maybe mine is a little. <laughs> give me a million. He got a different, maybe his was simple. Mine is probably a little God like, really, bro? But it's not what one man can do. It's what God can do with one man. So Gideon, at this point, he's being told, you are a mighty man of God. Amen? But look at what he says in verse 13. Pardon me, my Lord, Gideon replied. But if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? Where are all his wonders that our ancestors told us about when they said, did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? He must have not been there for the meeting when the prophet just showed up a couple of verses before. Right? But now the Lord has abandoned us and given us over to the hand of Midian. The Lord turned to him and said, go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. He not even answering his problems. He, bro, I'm, I told you a mighty man, do what I said. Right? But he's busy complaining. And then he said, go, I, am, I, am I not sending you? Am I not? Ain't it me? It's me. He said, pardon me, my Lord, Gideon replied. But how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh. And I am the least in the... See, this is no Samson. This is no rich. <laughs> Sky ain't like me at all. He said, I'm the weakest and the least in my family. The Lord answered, I will be with you. It's not your strength. And you will strike down all the Midianites, leaving none alive. Today, the title of my message, and I should have probably told you this a long time ago, is The Secret Idol. The secret idol. Gideon from this point. Begun to do some magnificent things. 
From this point, his life transformed and he went to another level. After this, he immediately went to his own father's house where the Bible says they had an altar of Baal. And he pulled it down. But he was still scared because the Bible says he didn't do it in the daytime when the men could see him. Gideon said, I'm going to pull it down, Lord, but I'm going to do it at nighttime. Sometimes when the Lord tell you to do something, you're still trying to hide it from people. Because you're scared of what they might say. But if the Lord said he's with you, do it daytime, nighttime. It don't matter if the Lord said it, do it. Come on, somebody. And so he did it at nighttime morning. Everybody woke up and said, who did this? They said, it's Gideon. And he did this to his father. So they came to Joash and said, bring your son out and deal with him. And his father's heart turned. See, that's the thing. Sometimes the people that you think won't be on your side, God is able to turn them towards you. His father was the one that spoke up and said, hold on, wait a minute. Y'all going to fight Baal's cause? Can't Baal fight his own cause? If Baal truly is God, let him fight Gideon. And so they changed Gideon's name to Jerubbaal, which means the one who contends with Baal. And so him and Baal had beef since then because everywhere he went, he was pulling down idols. Pulling down idols. And I wish that the people of God would become like this. Where when, when, when we know God is with us, go into your world and anything that is above God, pull it down. Yeah, 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 yeah. You see, see, the Bible talks about casting down imaginations and thoughts that exalts itself above God. Have you ever thought about that? Have you ever thought about that, the, the fact that uh, Paul says we don't wrestle flesh and blood, but we wrestle against principalities and powers? And he says we cast down imaginations. And one day I thought about that. I said, how come a thing lives on even though the generation that starts it died? I'll give you an example. How come we still have racism even though the generation of slavery has died? You would think that when a generation that started something died, the thing would die. But you got to understand that it's not people, it's ideologies. And so even though the people died, the mindset lives on in the next generation. You would think that if a poverty generation died, the next generation who understands money would be different. But they come on the scene and they're still poor. You would think that people who came and saw what divorce did to their family when they get married would do everything in their power not to... But it continues on in the next generation because the problem is not uh, 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 who we are in flesh. The problem is who we are in mind. And so when you have a thought, the Bible says what the thought does, it, 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 it begins to formulate imaginations. This is why you got to be careful when you watch the media too much. You ever watch the media and you start bugging? One day I'm watching the media and I'm like... I'm about to take all my money out the bank because they're about to seize my account. I'm like, what they seizing my account for? But what it is is that they plant a thought in your mind and your thought starts to imagine things. Yeah, yeah, 
And when the imagination goes wild, if you watch something enough, they plant the thought of fear, and now you got to deal with it. You ever walk around feeling like in the mall, yo, I got to buy a gun. Because they might shoot this mall up. Somebody said, yeah, yeah, you really got to do that. <laughs> you ever walk around and just stuff you start imagining in your head? And the Bible says you got to pull down any imagination or thoughts that begin to manifest that is not based on God's word. And so here you have this man who's pulling down idols, pulling them down everywhere he went. And the Bible says, though, that when we met him, his circumstance doesn't line up with what God says. I want to I say something to you today. Many people naturally ask, why? Why does God allow oppression, storms? Let's call them storms. Because you might not be in an oppressive situation, but you might be in a storm. And like Gideon, you might have asked this because up to now, God ain't answered that. If God is with us, why has all this happened? Have you ever asked that? If God controls the weather, why don't he just stop things from happening? Amen? Some say storms occur because it's God's judgment. Has God ever judged men? Using trials and circumstances? Absolutely. Is it what he's, the only thing that God allows storms to come? No. But we know God brings correction. So sometimes what you're going through is not the devil. It's God trying to tell you, you are bugging, bro. Remember Jonah? Jonah was in a storm. And the whole, when they said, why is this storm happening? Jonah said, it's me, bro. <laughs> the whole reason this whole boat is going to go down is because I'm in disobedience. Some of you are causing havoc on your own job. Because these wasn't God worshipers. Your job is falling apart because you in disobedience. The power of those who are called by God to wreck something when they're in disobedience. And Jonah said, throw me off the boat. Storm's gone. They said, I bet. Swing. They were from New York. They had no hesitation in saying, you gone, bro. And he was gone and the storm stopped. But then again, there are other storms. That don't come to correct you. They just happen. For example, Jesus was in a storm too. Now, why would a storm come to Jesus? Because you can't correct Jesus. That storm came to show the disciples who was on the boat with them when storms happened. Because all of them begun to negatively look at God. This is what they said when the storm arose on that boat. They woke him up and said, do you not care that we will die? Let me tell you something. You can ask God's quest questions, but never question his character. You've gone too far when you question his character. And he got up and he said, peace be still. And they no longer were they afraid of the winds. They said, who is this? That even the winds. Storms happen to show you and remind you who Jesus is. And this is what's happening in their life. 
God is trying to remind the children of Israel who he is. Because they went too far. Listen, storms can clutter your mind and impair your thinking. The storm wants to invade your world. In other words, something from the storm's world comes in and shakes your world. That's what makes storms bad. It's not the water outside the boat that I got to worry about. It's the water that's getting in the boat. Amen, somebody. And here's the thing, y'all. And I want to read on a little bit more in Gideon's story. The Bible says that the Lord answered in 16 and said, I'll be with you, right? I will be with you and you will strike down all of the Midianites, leaving none alive. Go to verse 17 for me. Gideon replied, if now I have found favor in your eyes, give me a sign that it is really you talking to me. That's like, and he didn't even get to the fleece yet, right? Gideon replied, if I found favor, give me a sign that you're talking to me. Go on to 18. Go on. Please do not go away until I come back and bring my offering and set it before you. And the Lord said, I will wait until you return. So the angel said, all right, I'll wait until you return. Gideon said, I'm going to go get an offering. Gideon went inside, prepared a young goat and fr from an ephah and a flour, and he made bread without yeast, putting, it, putting the meat in the basket and broth in a pot. And he brought them out and offered them to him under the oak. The angel of God said, take the, the, uh, the meat and, and the unleavened bread, place them on this rock and pour out the broth. And Gideon did so. And then the angel of the Lord touched the meat and the unleavened bread with the tip of the staff that was in his hand. And fire flared from the rock, consuming the meat and the bread. And the angel of the Lord disappeared. And look at Gideon. Look at him. Uh, and when Gideon realized that it was the angel of the Lord, he exclaimed, Alas, sovereign Lord, I have seen the angel of the Lord face to face. But stop right there for a minute. Here's my next point. If you've got a lot going on in your life and you want to see God, it's going to cost you something. Because y'all all read that and y'all missed the big point. The Bible just told you that the oppressors came and took all their crops and took all their livestock, goat sheep donkeys everything they own so for Gideon to say don't go nowhere I am going to get a young goat he is not just going to pick up something he's picking up something that is rare and a commodity in his life at this point he's about to bring a goat I don't even know how he still found a way to spare one so when you see Gideon is about to build an altar, building an altar is a place of sacrifice. You never build an altar and it doesn't cost you. And a lot of people want to see God's hand move, but they don't want it to have a cost to them at all. Going to church is too hard. Prayer is too hard. Studying the word is too hard. Cutting off a friend is too much. Dedicating whatever to the cost of the kingdom is too much. That's just too much. It costs too much. But you ain't never going to see God that way. Here's my point. If you want to see God in your life, build an altar. 
He's not just bringing something that he got. This is something that if they catch him with, they'll kill him for it. And he says, I'm going to give it to God. Because that's how much I want to know that he's with me. And when people who want to know if God is with them, they sacrifice more. They give more. They never look at the cost of the sacrifice. They look at the privilege of what God is going to do for them. And if you're looking at the sacrifice, then you must not know who the blesser is. The sacrifice is never bigger than the God that you sacrifice. Oh gosh, who am I talking to in this house? Hallelujah. And he made a sacrifice. And then the story goes on that he put the fleece out and he's going through all of this. And God starts to tell him, go out. He pulls down the altar and, and God starts to give him influence. His father stood by him. And that's how leadership works. If you can't lead the people, influence the man who does. Sometimes you walk in the room, it's not everybody you got to influence. You got to find a loud dude. Hey, homie, let me talk to you. I give you $50 if you say this. Yeah. Yeah, that's why politicians love celebrities. We get our politics from the celebrities. We get our ideologies from celebrities. If you want to influence people, you don't got to influence the people. Find the people who influence the people and influence them. That's how you control the whole world. Find the influencers. And I know everybody is a social media influencer. Four followers and all. <laughs> and he influenced Joash. And when Joash stood up for him, all of a sudden, all the men in the clan said, we're going to fight with Gideon. And Gideon raised an army and he's got thousands of men. And he's marching out now. Still not enough. Still not enough. But he's got a squad now. You feel better when you got people with you. Come on. Come on, somebody. You feel better when you... And so he's got all these people marching with him. And he goes out and then God knocks on the door and says, You got too many people. He said, What you talking about? He said, Ask the men who are afraid if they want to go home, tell them they could go home. Get them say, hey, men who's afraid, go home. And the Bible says that thousands of his men said, hey, Gideon, man, we ain't going to lie, bro. We a lot, but they a lot of more. And they left him, and he was down to 10,000. So Gideon said, all right, 10,000, this is cool. All right, let's go. And God knocks again and says, still too much. And he, he's wondering, he, I, I'm going to bless somebody right here. He's, because I used to wonder this for me. God, how come you put me in a room with so many people that can bless me, but you never let them bless me? God, how come you made me meet this person and they told me they love me? They told me they got all my albums and how it changed their life. And they were in a position to help me get to the next level, but they were cheapy cheap. Why you never move their heart? And I got a feeling that some people, God allows for people to write the check. God bless you. But there are others that God says this that he says to Gideon. 
if you go with that many people and they win the battle, they're going to turn around and say, it wasn't God. It was ourself. But I'm going to cut the numb. So sometimes it is not. You see, sometimes people look at you and be like, yo, you such a loner dude. You'd be much further if you learn how to connect and build. But it's not that you don't connect and build. It's that when you connect and build, it always falls apart. And you always begin to wonder God. People don't see I'm trying to connect and I'm trying to do everything else and God has to remind you yeah that's for them but you when I do what I do in your life they will know I'm God who am I talking to in this house hallelujah and 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 so 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 he said you got too many people and God says I want you to take the men down to the brook and give them water and he says I want you to watch there are gonna be some men and when they got to the brook, some of the men went down like this, and they took the water in their hand, and the Bible says they begun to lap it like dogs. And then there were 7,000 men who just went head first. 7,700 who went head first in the water and said, there's water out here. God says, at this point, I'm thinking God is going to say, let the men the 7,000, oh, they, 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 they the men. Look at them. They know how to get water. God says, send all of them home. Now, people argue as to why. I really, do, I can't give you a conclusive, but the, the thought pattern is that 300 soldiers, y'all ever seen 300? That movie is Gideon's story. They lie. Y'all remember that one scene when he says, when the, when the Athenian showed up and said, I brought more people than you. He said, you, what are you? I'm a blacksmith. I'm a farmer. I'm this. And then he turned and he said, Spartans, who are we? And they were, oh, oh. What happened to the Spartans, bro? What? And then he said, it looks like I brought more soldiers than you. And believe it or not, I'm going to show you a verse that will blow your mind. Look at Deuteronomy 28. Put it up. Then the officers shall add, is anyone afraid or faint-hearted? Let him go home so that his fellow soldiers will not become disheartened too. This is God's rules for war. If you send in soldiers, let them be soldiers thoroughly. Because scared people make strong people weak. You can't go to war with people who don't count the cost. If... If we go on a war, let's go to war together, but I can't have you halfway. Halfway people kill you. You need whole way people. You need whole foods people. Come on, somebody. Listen, and so, so the men that lapped, the possibility is that they displayed the fact that even though we're thirsty, we're vigilant. While the other men who are busy swimming, enemy could pop them at any minute. There are people that even though you have needs, you still are vigilant watching what the enemy might do. And God said 300. Gideon is on something. Really? Here's the point, y'all. I promise y'all I'm almost done. We could never be too small for God to use. But you can be too big. The problem is not how small you are. 
The problem is how prideful you get. And he's got to cut you down. Amen, somebody. And God says, 300? Gideon says, 300? He said, yeah, I'm going to fight for you. And I want you to know, I've been saying this since the beginning of the year. Here's my next point. God will fight for you. The Bible says, the next chapter, Gideon is getting ready to go on the battle line. And the Bible says, God says, um, here's what you're going to do. I know you still shook. You've been shook from the tree. You know it's me. You, I done wet fleece. I done dried. I done did laundry for you. And you still don't believe me. How many of you can relate to Gideon? After all that God has done, the next test still make you say, God. But if he did it before, he can do it again. If he did it, if God has kept you through one tragedy, the same God will keep you in the next. And he said, God said this, Gideon, you don't even know what's about to happen. He said, here's what, disguise yourself and go down to the enemy's camp. And the Bible says he disguised himself, he got his man with him, and they went down to the enemy's camp. And the Bible described the enemy's camp as like covered, like people covered sand of a seashore. That's how many people he's going to go fight. And when he goes down... He sits down, and as he's sitting down, two soldiers wake up, and one of them woke up and said, Hey, yo, man, I got a bad dream. The other dude said, What you dream? He said, Yo, I dreamt that a, 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 a loaf of barley just like came into the camp and destroyed the tent. And the dude said, That can't be nothing more than the sword of Gideon. Gideon over here like, The sword of who? And he became confident when he heard what the enemy said about him. Wow. Now, it's wonderful. And I could preach this message and make you run up and down. If you only knew what the devil thought about you, you'd be going crazy. Oh my. Come on, y'all want me to go there? Come on, because the devil is nervous about you. The devil is mad when you start to act up. When you start to praise and worship, when you say, I'm going to give God my all, when you start reading, the enemy starts to say, uh-oh, it looked like he about to practice some faith. Look like I can't penetrate him, and you get excited, but I'm not going to do that today. <laughs> because it shouldn't take what the enemy says about us to believe what God already said about us. If God said it, we don't need to hear what the enemy has to say. We already know God said it, enemy in trouble. Because he spoke. And so Gideon went back and God gave him this master plan. He said, take a, look, look, God fight weird, y'all. He said, take a trumpet, take a jar, and take a, 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 put a light in the jar. And y'all go, and 100 men stand there, the other on the other side, and, the other, and y'all go, and y'all blow your trumpet. And when they blew the trumpet, it sounded like so many people that the enemy got confused and they killed one another. They said, what in the, this man got a real big army. God will make your little bit. It's not what God, one man can do. It's what God can do with one man. It's not what can 300 do. It's what God can do with 300. And when God gives you that master plan, it changes your life. And he blew and all they killed themselves, they and God fought for him, and I want you to know the same God will fight for you. Amen. 
but I'm almost done. Here's where the story gets interesting. Go to Judges 8.22. Gideon has killed all these people and he's coming back home now. And so the Israelites said to Gideon, rule over us. You, your sons, your grandson, because you, have saved us from the hand of Midian. America, let me say this to you. Appreciate great gifts of men without idolizing them. Let God rule. It is cool to look in celebrity culture and say, wow, that dude is gifted, but don't make him a god. Steph Curry's the greatest basketball player that ever lived, but I don't idolize him. You know? You all know the NBA is setting up Kyrie to go help somebody. Was I talking out loud? Sorry. Listen to me. Here's a lesson for us today. I got something here I wanted to read with y'all. Appreciate the gifts of great men without idolizing them. Let God always rule your life. Because great gifts does not mean that the men will always be great. A gift is not a character. It's a gift. Come on, somebody. And too many of us are enamored and living off of our skills. But when the skills go, you got to deal with who you really are. And look at this, y'all. A lesson for us today may be this. Finding gratitude for the gifts of great people without idolizing them. Like Gideon, a general today may lead us to victory in war, yet prove a tyrant in peace. Mm. Listen to this. A genius may bring us sublime insight in music or film, yet lead us astray in parenting and politics. A business leader may rescue a bank in crisis only to destroy it in times of ease. Perhaps we rise in the ranks at work and while sinking into discord at home. You do a real good job at the job, but at home, you a failure. Come on, somebody. Come on. Or vice versa. You do a great job at home, but you lazy at the job. You're on time for every Netflix you're going to watch with the family. <laughs> family night, movie night, you bring popcorn and all that. Time to go to work, you late. You excited for all of... Never mind. <laughs> Maybe we prove capable as individual performers, but fail as managers. All the Christian rappers say amen. <laughs> Most likely all, perhaps we accomplish... Much good when unsure of ourselves, we depend on God, but we wreak havoc when success leads us to self-reliance. And like this man, we are people of contradiction and frailty. 
our only hope or else despair is in the forgiveness and transformation made possible for us in Christ. Even the water felt it. <laughs> they said, rule over us. Rule over us. Your son, your grandson, because you have saved us from the hand of Midian. But Gideon told them, I will not rule over you. Nor will my son rule over you. The Lord will rule over you. Hallelujah, Gideon. Praise the Lord, Gideon. Come on, Gideon. Bishop Gideon. And he said, I do have one request. Okay. Let each of you give me an earring from your share of the plunder. Because it was the custom of the Ishmaelites who they just fought to wear gold earrings. Very strange scripture for the Ishmaelites. <laughs> they answered, we'll be glad to give them to you. So they spread out a garment and each of them threw a ring from his plunder onto it. The weight of the gold rings, he asked for, came to 1,700 shekels. That's about 40-something pounds. Not counting the ornaments, the pendants, the purple garments worn by the kings of Midian, or the chains that were on their camels and necks. So Gideon got a lot of gold here. Last time we saw them asking for gold, they were about to build something. Come on, somebody. And the Bible says, not counting the ornaments, Midian, and all the camels. Next. Gideon made the gold into an ephod. The ephod was a priestly garment. That would only work when a priest wore it. But Gideon wanted to make one. And somehow, there's theological arguments over whether it was a statue or an actual ephod. Whatever it was he made, look at what the Bible says. He made it and he placed it in Ophrah in his town. And all Israel prostituted themselves by worshiping it there and it became a snare to Gideon and his family and the next chapter they went right back to where they started the same man that was pulling down idols built an idol but this time Oh, boy, if I could. See, y'all be wanting to go home. I be wanting to preach long. There's about 30 other people that's like, you need to have two, sir. They come to the second one. The same man that pulled down altars built one. And here's the thing about it. He couldn't see it. And he couldn't see it because of his insecurity. Now, now, this ain't Bible. This is rich here. But this is what I think. I think when you don't address your issues, your issues will address you. And he had an issue of always trusting that God, his word was enough. He always needed something tangible. It wasn't enough that God just did all of this. I still need to have some. Something. 
And mankind loved to make idols out of anything. And he made it. And the people, the Bible said this. The, this is Bible. They prostituted themselves to it. They started to worship it in the pattern they would. Baal's gods. And it became a snare to him and his family. And he couldn't see it. Because you can see outward idols. You can see when you make a celebrity an idol. You can see when money is an idol. You can see when everything tangible is an idol. You can even see a physical statue when it's an idol. But when the idol is you. There is a secret idol. That sometimes we aren't aware of. And this is why Jesus says, if any man wants to follow me, he must deny himself. Because the biggest idol you will ever have to tear down is not any idols on the outside. It is yourself. It is yourself who tells yourself that everybody's sin is dirty, but yours is okay. It is yourself who looks down on other people's kids, but you're killed. It is yourself. Y'all ain't going to say nothing to me. It is yourself that says why everybody else is broke, but your brokenness is not because of you. Your debt is not because of you. Why every preacher is bad, why church is bad, why everybody is hurtful, but you don't never take no responsibility. It is why you leave church find other religions that you can control because you always want to be in charge because you are your own God. Nobody could tell you anything. You read Gideon's life. I'm not saying this man was evil. I don't know. That's my, I'm not saying that, but when his next generation came on, you read it, Abimelech, his son, killed every... He had 70 kids. 70 kids. And the Bible says Abimelech killed every one of them. And spared one of them alone. And that one ran. Gave him a word and says, he gonna burn y'all up. And left. And the only reason Abimelech did that is because... What his father built, he went from least in the clan to now everybody comes to my town. You should have left the ephod where it belonged in the house of the Lord. Don't you ever touch anything that belongs to God and try to make it yours. Give God his glory. I'm done today, y'all. Would you bow your head and close your eyes in this place? If God is where he is in your life, he's going to fight for you. Come on, somebody. Come on. Hallelujah, Jesus. God, forgive me first for making myself an idol. Forgive me first, Father.